We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This call is being recorded. Hello, friends. This is Kirk Henderson. Welcome to, I don't know, some such episode of the Mavs Moneyball podcast. Probably Kirk, your enthusiasm. And I'm joined by uh, staff writer and Mavs do everything extraordinaire, Tim Cato, who you all are obviously familiar with. How you doing, Tim? Yeah, I like how many genres of podcasts you guys have. You know, I know. It's all never stupid know. branding. I never know when I when I click on an episode. or well, often I do. But yes. You know, I like I like the standalone pods where they have like seven different names that could go under. Yep. It's fun. It's it's it great is. branding. Branding is life is about branding, if you really think about it. Well, it started being a problem with like for group therapy. Like there's no reason to do group therapy when the Mavericks were winning 70% of their games. Like it was stupid. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, like, let's celebrate something. Um, but unfortunately we don't have a ton to celebrate you and i are meeting um and i'm probably gonna post this pretty soon this afternoon on on tuesday afternoon may 3rd it's about 4 30 and it's been about what do you say like 18 hours since the mavericks played the phoenix suns and we're just i mean as everybody knows the score but it was just sort of one of these games that was such a measuring stick and i'm gonna be honest due to the day i've had with real work and just due to the very wise decision to stay off the internet for reasons we will not discuss, I don't have a good sense of what's being said about this basketball game. I know I like multiple people, because I'm in a bunch of Mavs fan group chats, said that you did a post-game show last night that was excellent. And so I hope we're probably going to cover some of the same ground because there's only so much you can say about a series like this. But I, I think, you know... I am such an angry fan at times and I left that game just going, man, are the suns good. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. Like I was joking yesterday before the game that me, Mavs Moneyball's Josh Bow, your frequent co-host, and then D magazines is talk. Um, obviously he, he's done some writing for Mavs Moneyball as well. We all do similar analysis 
like in, in terms of what we're trying to accomplish with our uh, our analysis, but we also usually end up in the same place. And all three of us really locked into that Mikhail Bridges three-point block as being just such a defining single play representational of just how good Phoenix is broadly at defense and execution and just mm-hmm. how different they are from Utah. And, you know, it's funny. I was, I was finishing my article last night and I needed like a two minute break. And so I, I checked Twitter at like 2 AM and I saw that Josh, Josh's post had just gone up and I click on it and I message him. I'm like, fuck you, dude. I just <laughs> finished writing 800 words, breaking down this play and I click on your story and it's the same thing. And so, well, yeah, Tim McMahon, it was very representational. Tim McMahon went on the low post and I did the, the one piece of Mavs content I consumed today was Tim going on the low post and he talked about that play as well. I mean, there, there's just things that stick with you within a game and, you know, the Mavericks got punched in the mouth early. And I think the the hearing them all in post game was very interesting. And I'm not sure if any of the readers haven't, or sorry, listeners haven't, you know, read any of the sound uh, uh, clips and, and things of that nature of, of what happened post game. Almost to a T, every Maverick was talking about their lack of energy early, and I, I don't understand. Like for so for you there, you know, being there as media, could you sort of like why was the energy down? Like what? What it took them a solid six minutes to shake their their kind of malaise. Like what was going on there? It's this is my least favorite topic to talk about because I I think that energy and focus and concentration are some of the most common, easiest to refer to sports tropes. Okay. And there's, there's elements of truth in them. There are, there are times where teams lack one or all three of those things, but it's really hard to define, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's very easy for a team to just, you know, to, if if there is a less talented team playing a more talented team and that more talented team just beats them because they're more talented, a lot of the times the players will, comp- will, will talk about and say, oh, well, it's these very, you know, hard to explain things that were the issue. And I'm, and I'm hearing it or, or fans will say that uh, as yeah. well. And I look at it and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I think it was just the talent. I think, <laughs> I think you guys got beat. And so I agree, like there was something off about those first six minutes because the rest of the game, clearly the Mavericks responded in a better way. Um, But I'm hesitant to say it was, oh, they weren't focused or locked in. Nothing about this group makes me think that they would start a series against an opponent this good and not like take them lightly or not be up to the challenge in terms of their mental preparation. Now, maybe they weren't mentally prepared for just how good Phoenix was. That's something I can get on board with a little bit more. And just the way that Phoenix was playing was mentally jarring after that entire series against Utah. But that's that's a little bit different than saying they lacked concentration. No, it's saying that they didn't have the mental preparation for how differently and how much better Phoenix can play, did play than other teams, you know, that, you know, specifically the Utah Jazz that they just faced for six, uh, for six straight games. That that's more how I see that. And 
and again, it's 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 not something you can define statistically. There's no concentration per a hundred possessions. You just kind of gotta feel it out, see what you're seeing, and and make an assessment. And it's easy to go to that trope because nobody could prove you wrong. Nobody can say the, the players can't come out and say, and again, in this instance, they were saying that's what they were lacking, but they can't come out and say and like, oh no, the media was wrong to blame our lack right. of concentration. We were so concentrated, you know. We yeah, you know, we were we were our brains were working uh, you know, like the like the movies or like a hundred percent of our brain was locked in or what you know, whatever that that dumb cliche well, if is. if I was to put sort of a moment in time where I felt like the game changed and the game plan got really jumbled, it was the is Chris Paul drawing um Reggie Bullock's second foul in the first five minutes. And what it did, obviously foul trouble is foul trouble, but it's just a in it's such a stark contrast to the Suns where the Mavericks had to get really creative with their rotations early. And the Suns just have a, a an array of guys that they can put and and just keep bringing out. And I felt like that was I mean, it was only five minutes into the game. But it was a real inflection point for what the Mavericks were going to have to be dealing with because, frankly, against this team, getting into foul trouble has got to be a constant concern because it's not like they have anyone anywhere to hide people on. Did you know? Am I like wrong in that assessment? Like, I didn't cover the game last night. That was the first game where I didn't write anything. <laughs> I just watched, and so it's like that just it hurt me. But I, I, you know, I, I also didn't watch it the way I normally watch whenever I'm writing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I think it's also just very starter, like starkly obvious that the Mavericks have seven players they can trust, right? You yes. know, to the point that I'm wondering if Frank Nilakina shouldn't get a little bit more of Josh Green's minutes, oh, assuming Josh Green comes in and won't I think shoot he has threes. Nilakina at least shoots threes. He's not going to make a ton more than Josh Green, um, but he might hit a few mm-hmm. more. He, he's not quite as dynamic on the ball, but yeah, you yeah. know defensively i i think he might give you something similar not not because he is better than josh green's highs defensively but he's at least a steadier defender or typically is he's also you know oddly enough he's had a couple good games against the suns as i remember and so that's that's one thought i've had and, and i thought it was interesting he got two minutes in the second half um you know jason you know kid didn't rely on on Nilakina didn't give him a long run out, but those two minutes kind of just, just on my assessment of how kid operates, those two minutes are kind of like a, let's throw you out there, get your feet wet. And uh, because we might need you later, later in this, uh, in this series. So that's one thought I've had. Um, But yeah, there's just, there's not enough players, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the the very obvious uh, aspects of the series is that Phoenix is deep and they're talented and they have a lot of options and they played Chris Paul 29 minutes. They, well, they, they, they kept an all bench lineup out there to start the fourth quarter. If they had gone back to the starters, this game ne- might never have, have got close again, to be honest. Oh, I, I, I absolutely think that's the case. And, you know, I hate to do this because I'm not, I've, I've been very pleased. I feel like the Mavericks have wrung almost every ounce of success out of the roster that they have, but the not enough guys thing has been something that Josh and I have been yelling about like lunatics for almost three years. 
And one area that it was just the Suns are a tough team for me in this regard because Cameron Payne, who has been a really solid like 10th, 9th man for them, was on the Mavericks summer league roster and they and he was torching guys. Like he all of a sudden had a three-point shot about he was on the legends. Yeah. And when they signed Trey Burke, he was he was starring for the legends. Bingo. Where they signed Trey Burke for who Trey Burke had no market interest. I like that that can't be stressed enough. Like no one wanted Trey Burke. Trey Burke might be on an NBA team next year by by hook or by crook, but I, I have a hard time seeing it. And I bring this up not to, you know, when Mark Cuban was on our show two months ago, he's like, we built this team for Rick Carlisle, not for Jason Kidd. And I don't think Rick Carlisle wanted bad basketball players. I just, and and one of the things that, that is, as I look ahead, because this is a great measuring stick sort of, sort of series is what can the Mavs do to improve? And I don't have a great answer. And I don't want to look too far ahead on this because I would rather continue talking about this series, but what the Mavericks have done this year is really impressive. How they go, where they go from here is why you have a new group of, oh, I'm sorry, Hawk, hush. That's going to be great for the listeners or I'll edit it out. Um, it's, it's really, it's just kind of, I don't want to say disheartening because I've enjoyed this season. I just, it, it, when you get so thoroughly whooped and, and make no mistake, guys, like I know it was a seven point game and Luca had 42 points and yada, yada. He also had like 13 points after the game was decided. So it's just, it's like, it's a little, it's, it's, it's just a little like frustrating for me because I, I want to really like both celebrate the season, still hope that there's reasons that the Mavericks could, you know, put up a solid fight, but also kind of cast dispersions to, to the long view of what this team could be. And it's just very cloudy right now. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Like you're talking just how this team, how this roster improves over the next few transactional periods. Right. Because, you know, they they keep talking about how the team is young and they're not old. They're seasoned, but they're not young. Dwight Powell's 30. Dorian Finney-Smith is 29, I believe. Reggie Bullock is over 30. Maxi Kleba is 30. And Dirk Nowitzki skewed what it is for Mavs fans to understand longevity most NBA players play like six to seven years. Like it's not, it's not this super right. long process. And when Luca is in his peak physical prime four years from now, I fully expect the only players to maybe be on the team four years from now would be like Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brunson. And that would be it. And so it's just, yeah. I, it's, it's dark to think like that, but it's like this, this is less because I, I think these guys are bad and more just because that's how the NBA works. Like you over, like you turn over rosters year over year. I mean, this, this Suns roster is different than where they were last year. It's, you know, they, they have guys that they, they, they can just like, they have to have so many bodies. And I think that's where, you know, if you're in the top eight, the final eight and in, in the NBA playoffs, you have to go with nine or 10 guys that you trust fairly well. And what Jason Kidd has right now is six guys, a rookie and Frank Nilakina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. We shouldn't, we shouldn't harp on this, but it, I think I have literally had this conversation on my podcast or your podcast months back. It, it does, you know, this series does just remind you how many misses the Mavericks had over like since Luca was drafted. Yep. And Again, something like Trey Burke and campaign, I don't, I, I don't look at all these every single miss and say what bozos they were. Sure. And it's also complicated to talk about it because the front office is different now, and we're giving 
a longer leash and and building new opinions about the people who are in charge now. But honestly, like to some extent, it's unlucky. It's unlucky that they went out inside Burke and Burke looked like he was the better player. Uh, and they signed him to a three-year guaranteed contract. So, okay, still don't quite understand that. But yeah. you know, that was a that was at the time, it seemed like it was sound decision making. A lot of these moves that haven't worked out at the time seemed like sound decision making. We all thought the trade of Seth Curry for Josh Richardson made sense. We and I still believe at the time it was sound decision making, or at least it let's let's let me rephrase that. It at least had logic. Yeah, oh, yeah. the, the, the process right. was good. The fact right. that Haralaba Vulgaris apparently ended up making the picks because Donnie Nelson stormed out, which if we ever get confirmation, I can't like the fact that it's never been pushed back on to me indicates that it's true. Well, I mean, I can push back on it a little bit. He walked out of the room, but he came back in. He was he was present in the draft room when the picks it's... were made. I can say that on the record okay. right now. See, I've actually been curious so... about that for a while. Yeah. That's something I didn't know because it was like. I figured that would have somehow made like big news in Mavsland and like nobody really talked about it. Um, but it's it's when you have bites at the apple, be it free agency or draft, you you have to get like understanding that there's an element of luck involved. You have to get you just have like luck matters. And the Mavericks have been extraordinarily unlucky going back to even the, the draft lottery for Luka Doncic where they had to give up a draft asset. I mean, it's it's there's a way forward for this team. I'm pretty, right. um, I'm pretty positive. And, and, and by the way, just like that goes back to the, to the luck in the unfortunate, mm-hmm. like it, it sucks. It's unfortunate. The Mavericks fell in the lottery right. yet again. Like they, they gave up a first round pick because you have to, to go get Luka Doncic. Obviously that was the right move, but yep. to my understanding, they were, they, sh- you know, that their odds were the third best odds, right. Or maybe tied for the third best. And they still yes. fell requiring them to give up a first round pick to move up to get Luca, which was obviously the right decision. They they've had they've had just a a unfortunate uh clearly some of the moves were logically wrong at the time. Uh you know some of them were not. Some of them were just just what can you do? Um yeah. but but it, it does it does make right now building a championship team around Luca going forward more difficult. Now and and but you know the the subject not to be all doom and gloom. I do think that that's why it was so important that that when they made this you know choice or had it hoisted upon them, whichever uh, they they understood the challenge that's in front. Like this sort of stuff was clear a year ago. You know the fact that that all this stuff's getting reported about Brunson now uh, they could have offered it and he would have accepted and right. just makes me a little you know frustrated. But it kind of is what it is. But there you know when you have a start like. I, I always kind of come back to when I'm trying not to, you know, when I'm trying to to look for the big picture positives is like when you have Luca, it makes everything else better. Like you have the star, you're not looking for the star like the Mavericks kind of were in the, you know, the the post championship Dirk era, like post prime where they were like trying to find something. And what they were really doing was, you know, kind of swimming against the tide and it slowly wore the team down and well, it, they just weren't able to replace the pieces. So with Luca, here's something, here's something that speaks to that, that also kind of gets us back to the series. One thing I've seen, and I'm in a little bit of an echo chamber. We always are on Twitter, but I, but I've seen people talking about how this series shows how little athleticism the Mavericks have, or maybe not athleticism. They have good, they obviously have some good athletes on their roster, but they don't have anyone. They don't have any transcendent athletes. They don't have anyone like Mikel Bridges, um, and trans, you know, that's a weird term. Luca is a transcendent athlete in his own unique way. 
Sure, but um, not like what you, know, you clearly, think of, like vertical athleticism. You know, you got Dwight Powell, and that's kind of it. There's not, there's not guy like like there's not guys with like uh, um, Bridges has a, a a crazy plus wingspan, which is how he's able to get that block. Like, there's no there's no like super freak athletes like you would think of in the line, like uh, like Kaminga of the Warriors, like that sort of right. like plus plus type guy. Yeah, uh, you know one. I've read a story, kind of a preview of of the series, and you know, one of them was was about the the defense, and I, you know, I talked about various things and and challenges they're going to have and how the Suns play. The way I summed it up was, can the defense make the adjustments to also be effective against San, uh, sorry, against Phoenix, or do they just need more defensive talent? And yeah. the Mavericks are, you know, I, I talked to a couple players at, at practice today, and they're all focusing on the defensive end. That's that's where they felt they need to be better. That's interesting. I, I found that pretty interesting too. Uh, but but I felt like, you know, I, I think that's I think that's where I'm going to land at the conclusion of the series is that Dallas doesn't have enough defensive talent. That they have kind of like you were saying earlier, they have eked as much effectiveness out of the defense as possible, like as as humanly possible from this team, as we well know because they were much worse defensively with almost the same roster. Same guys, year. right? Exactly. <laughs> like it's nothing short of a miracle in comparison. They were terrible at defense last year. They had to, right. we forget this, but it's like they went Boban Porzingis just to try to figure something else out in, in later right. games in that first round series. But but I, I think, I, I expect, you know, I'm I'm open to seeing if they can make certain adjustments. They feel like they left some you know meat on the bone in terms of how well they perform defensively or or how not well they feel right. they perform defensively but i expect at the conclusion of the series that i just don't think they have defensive talent to be able to match such a dynamic and unique offense like the suns and sure there's not a lot of teams like the suns in the league but if you want to be a title contender these are the types of teams you have to beat the defensive, the fact that they were focusing on defense is actually really interesting to me because I, I really don't feel like they played that bad at defense. I mean, did I, I heard this today on the low post? The Suns through seven playoff games this series are shooting sixty one percent on long twos. That they're you know they have an incredible screen setters and incredible shooters, and I thought the Mavericks really played as well as they could have, barring some offensive rebounding issues, which I think they can try to clean up. But and the offensive rebounding issues were only an issue until the small ball lineup came into effect. Mm-hmm. In the first three mm-hmm. quarters, Phoenix had six offensive rebounds, the same as Dallas. Yeah, Max, seven in the final quarter. Maxi and Powell having a combined two rebounds is, it, is it, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Oh, okay. There was, because the Suns were making so many two pointers, there was just not a lot of defensive no rebounds to grab. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, okay. yes. I, I looked at the, I looked at the stats through three quarters. Uh, the Suns were ahead by twelve rebounds, but they were yeah. even offensively. They weren't getting a lot of second chance points, and there just weren't as many shots to rebound because, like, I mean, it's it's math stuff. Like the Mavericks shoot more threes, so they're going to miss more shots. Even though ultimately that is the way they should play the series for that math advantage. But shooting more threes rather than twos will mean more missed threes. Phoenix just didn't shoot a lot of threes. They took a lot of twos. They hit a ridiculous number of them. I, I don't think Maxi and, and Dwight were being destroyed on the glass. I, I think that small ball lineup was where you really saw the second chance opportunities hurt Dallas. And up till that point, you know, was it great? No, but 
I, I thought it was I thought the 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 disparity in that, you know, just the very simplistic rebounds, you know, who has more mm-hmm. stat was more of a product of the shots each team were taking. Interesting. Well, I, I want to ask you one more question, though. We're, we're kind of past the time limit you and I had established. One of the things I was seeing, and I don't know if this is true, is I, I thought that Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie, and to a lesser extent Jalen Brunson, who I just think didn't make shots, Luca and Spencer had a real problem of oversizing up what was going on. Where Luca would get a mismatch, or not really a switch, because I don't really think there are Suns mismatches outside of maybe Chris Paul. And Dinwiddie would get the ball on like a rotate, you know, ball rotation after a kick out and would just almost let the defense reset. And uh, I think that the Mavericks need to attack more and more, like put, I don't want to say like push the pace, but there's got to be less like five to six second dribbling excursions going nowhere. Is, is that, Something you saw, or am I off there? Yeah, you mentioned you listened to the uh, Lowe's podcast. Uh, I also did. I thought he was correct to point out that a couple of the open threes that Dallas generated came when Luca caught the ball off movement. He gave it up. Something, you know, Brunson created on the other side of the court. The ball ended up with Luca catching on the move, and he was able to, to hurt Phoenix that way. You know, I, I think I think that's true. Um, I also think that you know, going back to that uh, the the block, the Bridges uh, block of Bullock's three pointer. You know, that that was a great example where against any other team, Luca, you know, saw the drop coverage. He engaged Aiton uh, by kind of driving into the paint, making contact with him, or, or, or approaching him about fifteen feet. Then he pulled it back out, and against any other team, that would have worked just about. But, you know, he there's even, you know, I put this in the, the piece I published uh, Tuesday morning uh, that, you know, he motions Maxi to, to cut through the lane. Basically, like Maxi was he's like, hey, go to the dunker spot, clear out. It's going to be me and Aiton and the floor is going to be cleared for a right handed drive or a left handed step back. That's what Luca does. That's what he does right. against any big man mismatch. And Aiton is not a you know, he's not a he's not an immobile defend, defender, but any center guarding Luca is a mismatch in Luca's eyes. And he's right. Right. And th- what they do is, is instead of having, uh, you know, Maxi's defender, which at that point was, was Bridges, Bridges stays there. Uh, it's, it's Booker who picks up Maxi cutting through the lane. And then Bridges just has the ridiculous ability to pinch over, but not commit on a double team to Luca okay. and then recover to the corner shooter. And yeah, that, that kind of meticulous uh, Luca-ness that, that he always has normally would work, but against the, against Phoenix. I thought that was, that play was just such a good example of, of why Phoenix can push back against that and, and why they're, you know, such a defensive, uh, you know, just phenomenon in a lot of ways, the way they play. They're like, so, yeah, their, their defense was like an amoeba where it just right. morphed to deal with him. And it yeah. felt, it felt like to a degree, the, the way the Mavs covered Steve Nash a long time ago, uh, I, I can't even remember if the Mavs won that series, but it was, they basically said, okay, you know, you're, you're going to beat us because we're going to cover everybody else, but we're also going to cover you real well. I, it was just, it is impressive defense. That's why. I yeah. Monty Williams, Monty Williams said they were trying to reduce or, or limit assists. Mm-hmm. That was the stat they, they were worried job. about. And they did a great job. You know, it wasn't. Yes, they helped. They 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 helped and pinched and and cheated towards Luca. They, they did not double team him. And and I think you know in, in terms of again echo chamber, it, you know sure. Suns fans just gloating about 
you know, the performance they had is not representational of, of what people actually think of the series. But, you know, the, the, the idea that Luka was just taking a bunch of shots. Yeah, because he they mostly played him one on one. And, you know, that's that's what he's supposed to he be. He did and honestly, pretty dang well in one on one. Like he, exactly. he scored over if he had hit a few more threes. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's the adjustment is that, you know, it was an average Luka game, yeah. which is so dumb to four say when a, he scored 45, but it was an average Luka game. Three, the 4 of 11 from 3 is kind of a mis, misnomer. Yeah, he was 2 of 9 at one point. One. He was 3 of 10 for in just... Like, well, he, he had 2 of like, ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 2, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like 2 yeah, of, nine two of nine for nine of the, the thing. Yeah. Well, as usual, this is outstanding. I appreciate you taking part of your time. You will be covering the game again tomorrow night at... 10 o'clock, no, 9 o'clock Central Time. And what time is it in Phoenix? It's Never two remember. hours. Think, thankfully, two hours back. thankfully okay. it's it's 7 p.m. starts, which make makes this slightly more manageable to actually be in Phoenix and, and to cover this. I, I'll have a I'll have a note bag post uh, tomorrow morning as well. I'm going to well, start and, writing that right now and, and kind of talk about a couple of things we did here with a little bit more depth and stats and, and maybe a video clip or two. I uh, will won't be, link. It won't be too long, but. I'll link yeah. your post game article that you did late last night in the show notes. Everybody who hasn't read it, go do it. If you don't subscribe to the athletic, why not? Uh, for how much it costs, you get a hell of a lot of sports coverage. I recommend it. Um, yeah. So you get to how fund about my lifestyle. How about this? If the Mavericks somehow make this, like if there's going to be a game six, let's, let's maybe get back together. Otherwise we will talk um, at some point in the off season on the show. All right. Let's do that. All right, man. Appreciate your time. We'll talk soon, okay? See you, Kirk. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.